The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Which reminds me. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to listen to this show when you were old enough. But your uncle wouldn't allow it. Feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic a tabletop game like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? The Dark Times Podcast. Stephen, we're back. We're back. We made it. It's my birthday. <laughs> I was gonna. I was setting a mental timer to see how long it would take you to mention your own birthday on the podcast. Point uh, zero five seconds, huh? Not even two words in. I said we're back, and you said it's my birthday. Uh, happy birthday to me. Uh, we got some emails regarding Destiny again, Stephen. Yeah, apparently it's thing- a hot button issue. I didn't realize the system was so complicated. Uh, well, you know, it's it's Saga Edition. It's it's a continuing discussion. And uh, so we got an email from... Uh, let's get discussing. Yeah, let's get discussing. Last episode, we had Alex and Trevor, I think just Alex, write in about the Destiny system. The common problem of players hoarding points until the BBG, and then just Destiny blasting his ass into oblivion. We asked our listeners, what the hell could we do about it? And we got a couple of responses. Al, who's written in before, uh, wrote in with, with his own take, and uh, I'll just go ahead and read this email right now. Hey, friends. The Destiny system can definitely become a problem with point hoarding. Here's a potential solution that I've seen our DM use. Make a low to medium complexity puzzle with a time limit. Since all of us players have a collective IRL intelligence of six and are suffering from stress due to the ticking clock, we can't figure it out. The DM then asks if we want to spend six Destiny points to finish the puzzle, because clearly the characters are smarter than us. We now have two Destiny points as a group instead of eight. Okay, I... I don't want puzzles to feel like a chore for players. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, a puzzle that feels insurmountable isn't a very good puzzle to begin with. I I don't know if this falls on the DMs or on the players in this case, but seeing like, hey, can I roll to see something if my character knows something? Like, there's a bunch of knowledge skills. That's where knowledge checks this. comes in. And um, you mentioned earlier, like, is it cool to just use a destiny point to bypass the skill challenge? Um, that's obviously GM fiat yeah. uh, and could work at your table. If your GM allows, I that. would say uh, play the skill, do a skill challenge per se, play it out. Mm-hmm. If the players are about to fail, all th- every player in the party can spend a destiny point to instead succeed. That's pretty good. I Maybe like not in the way they intended, but in a way that works for the story. Definitely. Uh, Al's email continues. Is this a good idea to allow? I don't know. But I think the solution is giving the players more incentive to use their destiny points. And even if you don't want to go to a homebrew situation and have the Star Wars saga experience, there are things that are broken. And I don't think the intention of the destiny system is to bank a lot of points for the right moment. This is by no means a jab at any DMs, but I think it is on them primarily to solve that in the difficulty of their campaigns, especially when using all official rules and the stat blocks that come with them. Looking at you, CL6 Commando. (laughs) I feel that every character by the time they should level should have almost no force points and maybe a destiny point if they earned it and the encounters should reflect that difficulty. That's all I have. Feel free to summarize this mess. Thank you, Al. Um, Al, you're absolutely right. I like the point that you made there towards the end is that if you don't want your players to bank destiny points, then you should make them spend them. Absolutely. Give them reasons to do it. Seriously. uh, Every encounter should be 
challenging them to the point that they spend a destiny point at the higher levels. I just, it just reminded me of a, um, we had a Wyvern Squadron story. Wyvern Squadron is the name of Steven's old campaign that we played. We had two years long. We mm-hmm. ended on a great note. It was super fun. Level one, to level 20. Thank uh, you. My clone trooper character pulse was, had given himself up for an NPC inquisitor, like who we were trying to save, bring back from the dark side. To the light side. To the light side, yeah. yeah. Bring back from the dark from side. From the dark side to said. the light side. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. So he gives himself up to the Empire. Uh, and the Empire is sort of, uh, what's the one looking for? The, their, their code of conduct regarding old clones who are defective is to just execute them. Yeah. So he brings them out to, they're right, like Jabba's Palace for some reason. I can't remember the context, but yeah. brings them outside Jabba's Palace. There's a, there's a Lambda class shuttle there. He's like, no, I'll do it right here. The, uh, Imperial officer just pulls out his gun and is about to take out the clone trooper PC, which, hey, if that, I felt like that was a good end for him. If he was going to die there for this character that they were kind of at odds with for a while, then I thought that was nice. But then, like, literally everyone in the party uses the destiny point to, like, stop this from happening. And it doesn't even it doesn't solve it. Like, he doesn't die. No, but he does get lost I think they have like a hyperspace malfunction. Yeah, they escape on the shuttle and they end up on Trandosha by accident or something yes. like that. And we had a really cool moment where the Miraluka Jedi used like a destiny point and tried to for- move object off like a flying away shuttle. Like to, to almost keep worked it from, too. It almost worked. It was really close, but I'm glad how that turned out. That was just, that's a, you know, give the player, put the players in situations where they have to use destiny points. Absolutely. And maybe dear listener, you're hesitant about using so many uh, difficult encounters that require destiny points so often. Uh, I'll point you to episodic Star Wars stories like The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, Rebels. Almost every episode, we see some destiny point level shit. Absolutely. I mean, it's not unrealistic or un-Star Wars-like to, to push your party that hard. Um, it's, it's really something you might want to consider doing. Uh, Rodney Thompson said, put your best ideas first. You know, don't delude yourself by having filler encounters or, Oh no, they can't get to this before they have a little downtime here. Like just, just slam them. There's nothing wrong with the filler encounters. That doesn't mean like giving your party a moment where they feel powerful, like having them take out, maybe stormtroopers are hassling a shopkeeper for no reason. That's important too. They're CL one mooks and your party's like level 15. Let them, let them just cut some guys down. Seriously. But uh, Al, thank you for your email. Uh, Those are our thoughts on that. Uh, Thank you for sharing yours. Uh, we had another email from uh, DM Jeff from uh, Rollmongers. Nice. Uh, Good to hear yeah. from Rollmongers. Shout out to Jeff and all the other Rollmongers. Yeah, we love their guys. They have a um, a podcast going on right now. We shot first. A it's an actual play, podcast. Dawn of yeah. Defiance. Yeah. Oh, this was about. So this is about that. Yeah. Um, paraphrasing to avoid Dawn of Defiance spoilers for anyone listening. Of course, of course. In response to a player character using a destiny point to critically strike a BBEG, the BBEG used the destiny point to act out a turn and used the force grip power to deny the player character that action. Pretty cool. wild, right? I think yeah. it's cool. Uh, they made a use the force check, which is arguably better than using a destiny point just to negate the attack. I I'd just say. think that's more fun. I mean, yeah. it might not be tactically better, but it's more fun. No, seriously. And, and, and instead of just saying, oh, no, he spends a destiny point, attack misses. Sorry. He says, no, destiny point to change his turn order and attempt a force grip. That's way more interesting Absolutely. than, sorry, no attack. And then in response to that, the Jedi, another Jedi player character, uses rebuke improve, with improved rebuke to cancel the force grip. See, that's already way more dynamic. There's dice rolling. There's a back and forth kind of ping pong. What, what's the word I'm looking for? 
a good rapport. Rapport instead of just saying the attack misses. I mean, if you're, I don't think DMs should just be saying the attack misses. They should be saying stuff yeah, more flavor than that. <laughs> but yeah, there's some ideas that we heard about. Come recalling Destiny. If you have something we didn't mention or something that you think you do better. Yeah, than please. Us, then absolutely uh, read in. If or, you have something to contribute to this conversation, please write in. As always, this is a community podcast. podcast. Anything you want us to talk about on the show, uh, send it right in. Whether that's a build, a house rule, or just want to say hello, we love it. Hello there, even hello there. Even. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into the meat of this, Stephen. We're we're back in the meat. It's quite a meaty episode, Sam. If you were hoping for beef, well, I'm dishing it. We up. got chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, my players never know the difference between all the shit that can blow up in Swissy. We got grenades, we got mines, we got explosives. The refresher after a Wookiee uses it. (laughs) Each are actually distinct categories of equipment. Uh, Players most often think that explosives is merely an umbrella term that includes mines and grenades. Some talents actually do treat it like that. But... I found it's easier to understand them as distinct categories of equipment. For example, let's start with grenades. Grenades, Sam. You chuck it, it goes boom. Like, come on, it doesn't get any easier than that. These are meant to be used in the heat of combat. We'll compare the other use cases for mines and explosives later, but these ones are no preparation. Shit's hitting the fan immediately. You need an explosion now. Grenades are simple weapons. Thrown weapons and area attacks. Always. It's your attack roll plus your dex mod. It's a thrown weapon. So so since it's a simple weapon, that means most player characters are gonna be Every proficient. player character should be proficient. I struggle to think of someone who doesn't have simple weapon proficiency. Reprogrammed it away as a droid. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> of course. And you know Sam, I know what you're thinking. Attack roll plus dex mod? Can I put some muscle behind that shit? Like, I played Little League Baseball. I had, ch- I had to chuck that shit from, you know, right field. That wasn't very good. They put me in the outfield. I could I could swing a bat like a motherfucker, though. The home run record in my Little League back home. Okay. Anyway, yeah. back to Star Wars. The mighty throw feet uh, pointed out to me by the, the ever-wise, ever-smart ever little literalist uh, pointed out that you can take the mighty throw feet... Uh, prerequisite strength of 13 you can add your strength mod in addition to your dex mod your range attack bonus when Wait, it comes what? to using thrown weapons oh yeah you know about they this. stack yeah they just stack it's not an either or no That's mighty throw insane. strength 13 add your strength mod on top of your dex mod for your range attack bonus for thrown weapons including grenades oh also you increase the length of each range category by a number of squares equal to your strength mod that's incredible that's pretty good We'll be striking out those little leaguers in no time. With grenades. <laughs> Timmy, no! <laughs> it's an area attack, like I said, so full damage on hit, half damage on miss. We all know this dance. They're usually burst weapons. There's exceptions, but overwhelmingly, the majority of grenades are burst. That means you choose the crosshairs on a map, a corner, a two-square burst is a two-square radius from that corner. So, you know. Yeah. Choose a corner on a square. Exactly. Two square. Okay, yeah. cool. You got it. Yeah. It's an audio format, so I can't really... Imagine a square. Yeah. 
That's one square on the map. Yeah. Now imagine three other squares next to it, and then there's a corner where they all meet. It looks like a crosshair. Shit. Real theater of the mind in this episode. <laughs> uh, oh, that reminds me, actually. The area tax page on the wiki has an excellent diagram for all the different types of area tax. Honestly, please go there. Stop listening to me now. Stop. Pause, pause the episode. Pause it. Pause it right now. Go look at it. Are you back? Okay, yeah. come back. Are you back? <laughs> okay, cool. We can continue. Yeah. You've caught up. Yeah, glad, glad you're back. We'll go ahead and You've get started. You've done the required reading. Uh, grenades have tight weapon ranges, man. Your range penalties start after six squares. I wrote down here in my notes, uh, youch. <laughs> because that's gonna suck, the man. technical term. Yeah. <laughs> For yeesh and ouch. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, anything that should help your weapon ranges should apply here. Any sort of feat or talent you have that improves that, uh, like point blank shot, I think should improve point blank throws here. Maybe. Uh, would you, what about precise shot? Minus five. Let me for check throwing. the wording for precise shot. Minus five for shooting to melee. Oh, but well, I'm not shooting grenades, when I throw a grenade. You're, you're not yeah. grenades. You're not aiming at characters. You're aiming at a space on the map. Why? What are you making that face for? When you uh, rule sex for precise shot, prereq point blank shot effect, you can shoot or throw a ranged <laughs> weapon at an opponent engaged in melee combat with. So you will take that minus five penalty unless if you, you throw shot. a grenade into a into melee combat. Which I don't know why you're throwing a grenade into melee combat. Anyway, it's going to hit your friend, but he's got evasion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's the Jedi who dipped in scout for evasion. I don't. I don't see the problem. <laughs> Uh, I, I gathered a couple grenades here that I, I thought were notable because I, I feel like everyone can imagine what like a frag grenade does or a thermal detonator. But here's a couple that may be overlooked. Gas grenade. This thing is nasty. Military grade, of course. Four square burst. You make your attack roll against the target's fortitude defense. If oh. hit, it doesn't deal any damage, but the target down moves down two steps on the condition track. Zero on a miss target has evasion they move down one step just straight up down one step and just like a smoke grenade the burst radius provides concealment as well the smoke dissipates at the end of the attacker's next turn would you say uh, a species that has like a gas mask or anything like that would be immune to this kind of attack i'd say so i'd say so i think it's covered in the specifics of things like the keldor's breath mask yeah or really anyone wearing a breath mask anyway also, yeah, yeah. Great way around. It's a nasty grenade, but of course you can pick up a breath mask for 200 credits and be I mean, to this. It's great to use against player characters. I'd say, yeah. I mean, the I, tank's got a big health pool, but they're, I mean, their fortune's fortune defense might be pretty big also, but yeah. no one's expecting a minus two to the condition track off the bat. I avoided using these for a while because I like didn't have the guts to like tell you guys like, oh yeah, it just moves you down two steps <laughs> the condition track. If you use these on us early on, we would fucking buy gas masks like immediately. We'd been like, nope, no, not taking a chance here. <laughs> no one would blame you. I mean, isn't there a mask in the utility belt? Uh, I think no, no, there is not. But uh, a, a great thing to get to put one of those spare slots, I think, on the on the. Or I think belt. if you have armor with emplacement points, you can do yeah, uh, do a, do a integrated equipment. Yeah, exactly. Mask. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, the phase two clone armor has that built in. Oh, very cool. Sorry, you got other grenades here. Yeah, sorry. There's another grenade I want to talk about. Uh, flash canister. It's a three square burst. You roll against reflex defense, like most grenades. Hit creatures take no damage. 
but all targets have total concealment against them until the start of the attacker's next turn. And they're only restricted. They're not military-grade like the gas grenades, so these are relatively easier to get. Wow, okay. Yeah, that would fuck people up. <laughs> Seriously, great for making a sudden escape, too. I'm thinking kind of Ninja Dust style. Maybe I'm imagining like a grenade, a grenadier, like bounty hunter character. Oh, like that's what I'm Chucky. <laughs> Chucky throne. <laughs> Chucky throne. Fuck you. That's funny. <laughs> Someone build Chucky throne and send him in, please. We'll feature him. Grenades rock because everyone can use them. They require no specialization to be effective and can grant virtually anyone the ability to make powerful area attacks the wide variety of grenades makes them adaptable to many adversaries. Bye, mooks. Yeah, fucking bomb voy- bomb voyage. Bomb voyage. <laughs> Mines, dude. Yeah. So this ain't no Minecraft shit. This yeah. is these are real explosives. So grow up. Heavy shit. Yeah, some heavy shit. Okay. Like you might expect, mines are designed to be placed on the ground and hidden from sight. Placing one is a full round action that takes no check. No check, Sam. Don't let your GM make you roll mechanics for placing a mine. No, don't make a scene at the table either. That's that's no good. My build. <laughs> My build. No, we don't. I don't think we need to do another uh, player etiquette episode anytime soon. But yeah, save it for the end of the session. If you we're, got a we're problem gonna, with we're going to pivot to a player <laughs> etiquette podcast. Uh, noticing a mine. You take a minus five penalty on your perception check. Uh, most of them are quite small, so the DC for finding them tends to be around 10 or so. Stationary object, 10, 15. Oh, I have it written down right here. Unless otherwise specified, the perception DC for a tiny object, most mines, is 15. Though many mines have a listed perception DC. More on that later. Mines are a little fraught. It, perhaps GMs, maybe if there's some extra effort in concealing this mine, maybe bump that DC up a little bit. I don't think anyone blame you for doing that and at that at that point be the players like offering that action that skill check or action to improve it rather yeah. than something the gm would ask you to do totally like hey gm can i scoop some leaves over this to make it especially camouflage <laughs> i've, I've sure. got some camouflage i well i used to be a baker back home so i'm using bread my bread baking skills to make a camouflage for this mine real hunger game shit you know if if someone managed to tell me that with a straight face i'd probably give him a plus two <laughs> Since I roll, since I've got the fucking culinary skill, I can. <laughs> yeah, my my baker skills are really coming out in this military ordinance. Yeah, if, if they could, if they could wow, say, Hunger Games left. is weird, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you remember when they did that in Hunger Games? Oh man! man. Wait, what, did that really happen? Yes, I don't know anything about Hunger the Games. The main guy in Hunger Games, Peta, Peta, yeah, that's yeah. like bread. <laughs> yeah, because like bread. Yeah, <laughs> he like made weird like rock makeup for him to hide. Like, so if he closed his eyes, you wouldn't tell it was him. Oh, that's kind of cool. The reason, the way they explained it was that he used to bake a lot. <laughs> I feel like they didn't need to even try to explain it. You know, it's no. just, he's just going full Rambo with camouflage. Don't, don't like, think it been that, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Mines. Thanks, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> I don't think it's Stephanie Meyer. Wait. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer did Twilight. Oh, shit. Uh, we got it. We're way out of our depth. We got to get out of here. We're back to Star Wars. Stay tuned for our Twilight podcast. Oh, that would be soon. so fun. Have you seen the first movie? I've seen all of them. Oh. I've read all of them. Whoa. I know. I had a very sad childhood. Yeah, did someone make you do that? Like <laughs> sad childhood. I didn't have access to a lot of books growing up. Uh, the ones I had access to were not. <laughs> that's rough. Well. Mine attacks. Sad cast. Steven. Mine attacks. 
Mine attacks just happen. Safe to say there's no roll. They usually have a burst radius, occasionally splash. Now, I hear you typing out there, listener. There are counterexamples. Mostly from the Galaxy of War book, like Static Mines and Fragmentation Wire, mentioned mines making attack rolls and have specific perception DCs. You remember that from earlier. Um, do what you want with that. Some mines have attack rolls. Some don't. Some mines mention making attack roll and don't list any number at all. <laughs> this is just kind of where the bar is at when it comes to Saga Edition. Hey man, they were put. They had to put the book out. It was due. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> guys, we got to ship Galaxy at War. I I just finished the cover art. We're we're doing it. Let's send it out. We're good. Sometimes I'm not sure what was going on in that in that copy editing room, but um, I'm I'm glad they did it. But yeah, so take any scrutinizing look at mines. You'll notice that they're pretty inconsistent. There's enough there for you to figure out what works for you. I personally like mines just happening because that's what mines do. Just boom. Like you don't see it. Oh, well, too bad. Boom. Well, so that's the route that requires the least amount of thinking on my end. So, well, God forbid I fucking make a perception check to see a mine. I don't know. I feel like that's one thing Fifth edition has going for it is a passive perception. Which is like, hey, if the number is lower than this, then my character automatically notices it. Yeah. I don't think players are going into combat. Like, you put the, all the pieces down, all your minis down for the enemies. Yeah. I don't think they're thinking, I should probably roll to make sure there's not more enemies. <laughs> a counterexample. Uh, say players are coming across an area and they want to check for traps, check for mines. Nothing's stopping them from taking 10 or taking 20 on that perception roll. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But if me as a DM, if I was like... Hey, this used to be like an old combat field. There might be stray ordinances around. There you go. I would mention that. <laughs> I wouldn't just be like, oh, you didn't look. Here's a mine. You're down three steps in the condition track. <laughs> Should have thought of that before you went ahead, dumbass. <laughs> it's definitely the, the whole like gotcha DMing that isn't oh, fun. Man. Uh, for yeah, really left anyone. that in first edition for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, put mines where your players would reasonably expect them. Yeah, absolutely. Put hints out there, like Sam says, like, oh, an old battlefield or a... Uh, <laughs> the course of Senate base. building. Yeah. <laughs> Chock full of mines. <laughs> Order 66. Order 67 was to put mines everywhere. <laughs> you don't want to know about Order 69. <laughs> Sorry, that's too easy. Okay. So mines, much like grenades, are a pretty diverse and eclectic mix. There's like there's some pretty crazy shit on here, like razor wire and something called fragmentation wire. You should look into that. It's wire that explodes when you touch it. It's pretty cool. Instead of like a trip wire for yeah, a mine, it, it's just the, the wire is the, the wire, mine? Yes, the wire is the mine, precisely. Um, I, I picked a couple interesting ones that, that stood out to me, uh, but there's a lot of mines, so go ahead and take a look for yourself. Uh, this is smart mines. Deal 5d6 splash damage and can be programmed for specific sets of detonation criteria determined by the player. So you can set a mine to go off only for enemies of certain size, certain number of enemies. It's compatible with if friend or foe systems. So only go off for stormtroopers or nasty rebels. Yeah, that's so cool. Really, really cool. You'd be like detect plasteel and then explode. That's exactly there's it gets there's like a, a good chunk paragraph describing exactly how that goes down, but it's it's effectively that player sets the criteria and then bam. Wow, no skill check or nothing, huh? I don't think so. Oh, well, that's oh no, 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 there was a like a DC 10 use computer check to, to program, program it. Or something. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, there's a holster lift inhibitor. This one I, I thought was very cool. Very sci fi deals 3d 10 times two ion damage. Got a plus 10 attack roll. 
It's on par with like an ion cannon from a starship. It reduces the vehicle's speed by half upon hitting it, and it operates continuously for up to two months in the ground. That was a random ass detail. Yeah, the other mines don't have like not shelf life. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Oh, they're still. Mom, I have some or- orbital mines in the in the pantry. Are they still good? Well, what's the date say? Well, it was from two months from when I put it down, so I don't know. <laughs> that, is a weird, that is a weird fact they would just add in there. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, it kind of paints the picture of, like, the old abandoned, like, Clone Wars battlefield where... Oh, sorry, let me roll for when they put this mine down two months ago. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, just ignore that, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Planning. Don't worry too much about the shelf Oh, you guys put a mine down here two months ago, and you came back later, and it didn't go off, so uh, you didn't see it. Boom! Explosion. Like, that. that's another gotcha DM tactic right there. <laughs> it's shit like that that makes it easy. <laughs> Gosh. Mines are perfect when the party has a time advantage over the enemy. Players can get very creative when prepping for an Imperial patrol passing through an area. Much like grenades, there's a mine for dealing with just about any type of enemy. I was surprised by the mines. Like, looking them over, I was like, holy fucking shit, there's some weird mines. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it, razor wire and yeah, detonate and wire fragmentation or whatever. wire. Yeah. Wild stuff. Sam, we're at explosives. Explosives are the most, like, premeditated option here. They require the most amount of prep. Most of them have sneaking around. Go into that in a sec. Explosives require a mechanics check, and the results of that check determine damage output, among other factors. They're designed to detonate with considerable force under a very tight area, much like real-world demolition ordnance. When they, you've seen the videos online of them dropping a building in Beijing or something. That's yeah. all done with basically C4, uh, a tremendous amount of force applied to very very small points on the structure. Keep it from blown out and destroying the, the adjacent buildings and precisely stuff, yeah. and it's also just a more efficient of use of that uh, kinetic energy but we'll uh, you know that's that's beyond the, that's for the, of the construction pod- podcast yeah that's, that's for the patrons god we had a lot of spinoff podcasts <laughs> i still want to do a seinfeld podcast i'm telling you that's if that star trek if people ask for the star if trek you, podcast we would do it for the patrons for sure yeah that's the thing where sam and i were talking about that if you guys want us to talk about any anything else uh, and have an idea, send it our way. Maybe we'll do it Patreon exclusive. I mean, I'm telling you, 10 minutes of Star Trek podcast a week, I could do that. I'll I could do it easy. Half an hour a month, maybe, something yeah. like that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, derail yeah, us with hell. different podcast ideas. Uh, so there's the handle explosives action. This was referenced earlier. Uh, setting a detonator and placing an explosive or disarming an explosive is a full round action. Yeah, it's good they called it handle explosives because yeah, you can do either or with those. It's great. It's a great use of language in Swissy. Who would have thought? Connecting a detonator to an explosive requires a DC 10 check. Failure means the explosive fails to go off as planned. Failure by 10 or more means the explosive goes off as the detonator is being installed. That means it blows up in your face. You can use a security kit with a DC 15 mechanics check to disable an explosive set to detonate. Failure means you fail to disarm the explosive. Fail by five or more, and the explosive detonates. Right here where it says failure means you fail to disarm the explosive. Don't let them fail that more than like twice before it just explodes or some other (laughs) consequence happens. It doesn't say how long it takes to try to disarm a bomb with a security kit, but it should take like... It should be a full-round action also, right? I mean, at at least... Oh, no, that's right. I already did say that. Make sure there's consequences for failing that check, whether it's wasted time. I mean, or, you lose a whole turn. And That's you lose a whole turn. Insane. Yeah. Alternatively, 
And this is where it gets crazy. You probably heard that. Wait, Stephen, fail a DC 10 check by 10 or more. What does that mean? Well, hear this. Alternatively, you can make an explosive more difficult to disarm by voluntarily raising the DC to set it. The DC to set the explosive is five less than the disarm DC you choose. Ergo, setting the disarm DC to 20 means it's a DC 15 to successfully place. That makes sense, Sam? Yeah. Okay, cool. Separately, the GM makes a secret check, results unbeknownst to players. On a 15, the explosion ignores the damage reduction of the object it's attached to. Big deal. Big, chunky objects like buildings, bridges, ATATs have a huge, huge damage reduction. Buildings. I mean, uh, ships also. Yeah, vehicles. ships. On a 25 or higher, the explosive does double damage. On a 35 or higher, triple that damage. No matter what, it always deals normal damage within the burst radius. This what? double, triple we're talking about is against the object it's attached to. What is the add to the roll for this? What do you mean? Like, I'm rolling it. So, how do I roll a 35? As a, if the GM's making a secret roll, what are they adding to this roll for this? Oh, that's a great question. It's the bomb placers mechanics modifier. Oh, okay, the yeah. GM rolls that. That's yeah. wild. That's so cool. a very rare example of a secret check in Swissy. Rules is written, at least. Yeah. We all love our secret check home rules. Home Absolutely. Uh, to save time, I've looped this in with the... Bomb placer's initial roll. There's two rolls we're talking about here. The one to arm the bomb for the player and the one the the secret one for the GM makes to determine damage. I've combined those into one roll. Yeah, that's that, totally that fair. You lose the secret nature of that, I guess, if you and don't. Then it, and then it's good for players to feel like if they have a better, if they're skill-focused mechanics, you know? Exactly. And it does remove the secrecy a little bit because they see how good their roll was. But if you just... Don't tell them the information that about the double tripling damage. Then totally. they won't know until you tell them. And if they found out from listening to this podcast, you can feign complaints to our <laughs> to our inbox. <laughs> um, good lord above, take ten or twenty here. You can, yeah. I mean, if you, you are, time. if you're placing explosives, you probably have plenty of time. I hope so. Dear God, yeah. Let's hope your noble has been. Uh, hamming it up on the uh, on the Senate building yeah. so you can place the explosives. I don't know why. You know what? Actually, there is a Clone Wars episode where they do exactly something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the more, uh, I think, common example would be Return of the Jedi. Han and the Commandos placing explosives in the Imperial bunker. Yes. They had plenty of time to do that, but not unlimited time, if you recall. They got caught. It was kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it almost ended the rebellion. You know, there's, we get an iconic "you rebel scum" line out of that. So funny, and Disney's been milking it ever since. Oh, man, <laughs> remember, remember Finn? Oh my God, Last Phasma Jedi. being like, "You're you were always scum." He's like, "Yeah, rebel scum." Like you're the you've been the resistance for ten years. Since I was like, "Hasn't been the rebellion for a while." Man, I, I watched that and I was like, "Oh, that was that was a Hollywood moment if I ever saw it." <laughs> Jesus, okay. Like, I know what I'm sitting here watching. All, all the 40-year-old dads, like, soy-facing soy in, the, in the audience. Don't say soy-face on our podcast. <laughs> I love Wojaks. They're just really yeah, funny. Yeah, they're great. They're, we, we'll, we'll tune in for the Wojak podcast. Okay, so on to the hardware. The stuff that matters. Yeah, I don't give a... F- I don't care. I sh- what, what's the... Show me the fucking Mustang of explosives. Okay, all right, okay, all right, okay, all right, all right, all right, okay. There's only a small handful of things that qualify as explosives. Explosive charges are here. 1,500 credits, 10d6 damage, that is. 
only restricted availability. That's pretty fun. I think that's because they're also meant for like construction related yeah. purposes, but uh, restricted is pretty fun. That's that's uh, when it's explosive charges or flamethrower, you know? It's, yeah, I mean, shit. If you got players who can do the black market stuff, get restricted items real easily. I love the, I have a great idea for an encounter of a party raiding like an abandoned construction site to get some explosive charges oh, to yeah, some real rebel cell shit. Uh, the explosive charge is the big boy for big jobs. This is a shit that Han used on Endor to destroy that Imperial bunker. Um, this is for taking out hard points, buildings, ships, vehicles, whatever you want. There's some tunnels. Yeah, tunnels. Ooh, collapsing tunnels on some imps. Classic. Poof. Sheesh. 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 There's detonite. 500 credits. 5d6. Also restricted. Smaller C4 style. This is for busting down doors, several support beams, something like that. All, all that good stuff. Explosives are like this, like using Dead Knight to breach like rooms and stuff. Yeah. Really good for making like, um, like tiered encounters. Like you have yes. different phases of the, of the heist. The heist has different phases and stuff. It's super fun. Precisely. And then for extra precision, there's Dead Knight cord. This is kind of like that fragmentation wire I was talking about earlier. It's a it's a cord of the same stuff of detonite, which is understood to be like a C4 plastic stable explosive. 100 credits gets you six squares of length. Thousand credits. Oh, sorry. Wow. I misread that. Yeah. Credits for six squares. <laughs> that was of a length. good deal. <laughs> it's on sale this week. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a sale on detonite cord. A Dexter Jetster. For some reason, I don't know why it was Dexter. <laughs> oh, you know, he's got the he's got his other business in the back. Um. Order 66 podcasts used to do uh, like I was like Watto's bargain bin or something like that. <laughs> and they, that's how they like would feature equipment. That's cool. Yeah. So it was so cute. It was really funny. Had a really like interesting theme song too. Dead Knight Chord. Thousand credits for six squares length. 46 damage. You get a plus five bonus to that secret GM check for determining uh, how much DR to ignore here. Good for even more precise destruction over a larger area. Wrap that shit around the leg of an unattended AT-AT so it can't bother you later. Go fucking crazy. It's weird that this is also uh, restricted. Yeah. This feels yeah, like this it has is... way more military application than normal Dead Knight does. I have to agree. I have to agree. Um, of course, just because something's restricted doesn't mean your player shouldn't be under scrutiny from authorities for possessing something. Oh, absolutely. If some... Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm looking at your manifest here. It says you've got six tons of detonite. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing a job. <laughs> <laughs> we're um contractors. Oh, yes. I, see, that's great. That's always fun. All explosives, all of them, every single one of them, require a manual trigger or timer to detonate. These are not the kinds of explosives where you can... Uh, smuggler smarm sh- pistol shoot them from across the room and they blow up. These are stable plastic explosives. So is it like a swift action to detonate? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, or would could you forego the swift action and set a timer instead? Yeah, totally. That's very fun. Yeah, there's a timer available uh, like on the tables for or equipment. It doesn't have like an entry that describes what it does because I think we all know what a timer does. Yeah. Um, it does mention somewhere. Is there a Wikipedia page for a timer? <laughs> yeah. Someone please tell me what a timer does. How do I run a timer, a timer in my campaign? A- <laughs> uh, I have seen somewhere a listed limit for like how long the timer can go. Can't remember it presently, but ten rounds probably. Ten, right? yeah, sure. Like, like think on. about it. Like within oh, reason. Like how how long do you want a timer to go? Come on. But then again, if it is uh, if it's explosives for like handling. Uh, destruction of buildings and stuff. 
but maybe five minutes. Yeah, like, maybe you know, a good amount of time. <laughs> Clear the area. But uh, you can also double the number of explosives to add two damage die. For example, two blocks of detonite deals seventy-six points of damage, while four blocks of detonite, well, that gets you ninety-six points of damage. Okay, yeah, that's very similar to uh, fighter groups. Totally in Swissy. Yeah, very, very similar kind of math going on. All right, so explosives are a bit much, Sam. They're a little confusing, so I wanted to break it down step by step with you as my player. Okay. You have a mechanics check of plus 10. You're tasked with the destruction of a vital Republic fuel pump at the height of the Clone Wars. What's my motivation? Uh, you're a separatist. Okay. Am I like, all right, am I a draw? Like, am I a human separatist? You can be whatever you want. Okay. Can I take 20? We'll get there. Okay. You found your quarry. You're all alone. You're on a stealth mission. You've got a single explosive charge. What's your disarm DC that you're choosing? The fuel pump. They're not going to be looking for explosives. So I'll probably do disarm DC of 25. Cool. So to set the explosive, you need to succeed on a mechanics check of 20. I'm going to take 10. Very well. You aren't under stress. You aren't at risk. There's no enemies around. You successfully snuck into this Republic fuel depot. Take 10. Success. I'll make my secret roll now to determine how much damage you do. Chief, that's a nat 20. Yeah! Is that triple damage? So for a total of 30, well, no, 35 Uh, 35 is triple triple damage. damage. But hey, you're ignoring DR and dealing double damage. Pretty good. So let's see. uh, After you retreat to a safe distance, a single explosive charge, dealing 10d6 damage times 2... Sam, that's 66 damage, ignoring DR. You've crippled that fuel depot. Oh, that's good. That's another hit to the Republic. You know what? For the freedom of Mandalore. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Explosives are a great way to eliminate enemy hardpoints and fit perfectly into a sneaky sabotage skill challenge. Get the bomb into the enemy base. Classic. They aren't hard to get. They require little effort to be extremely effective. Again, your party techie can do these no problem. They also require a little effort to be extremely creative in their use. Exactly. Got to be able to think to use these shits. Look to the commando talent tree's demolitionist talent to hit even harder with explosives. The saboteur prestige class is right there, in particular the sabotage talent tree. Excellent options there for grenades, mines, and explosives. Bomb thrower gets an honorable mention from the revolutionary talent tree. You get a plus five to mechanics check when handling explosives. And you can craft a frag grenade as a full round action, which is just hilarious. Well, it's a pipe bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you for listening to Dark Times Podcast. As always, we always want to shout out everyone. You know, the patrons really make this show possible. Uh, Any reviews on Reddit, iTunes, Spotify, all that jazz. It's great. If you do review us anywhere... Send it to us. We'll give you a shout on the show. And We're if still, uh, we forget to, if we miss it. Uh, and then we'll get it next week. <laughs> we'll get it next week. <laughs> We're still working on the first part of our module to put up on the Patreon. Don't forget to send any other ideas for things like the C there. Uh, super excited for it. There's just, it's been a little busy for us. Both yeah, us. Sam and I work full-time jobs yeah. in the real world. And that leaves a little time for thinking about our Star Wars podcast. But uh, we, we do what we can. But we hey, have, if more people join the Patreon, then 
I would be able to put more time aside to doing stuff like that. Totally. Uh, there's some great stuff up there right now. I have an exploration guide that uh, brings the wonderful world of hex crawls to Saga Edition, if that sounds interesting to and you. And it's really cool because it's made like in the Saga Edition like style. Yeah, yeah. I use the fonts, the layout, the aspect ratios, everything. There's like, some cool art in there. You could probably put it on DriveThruRPG and buy like a physical copy of it. Oh, Like please. that would be cool. Sweet of you to say. Um, you can email us, darktimesswse at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter at darktimeswse. And then, again, don't forget to review us on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you catch your Swissy hollow broadcasts, illegal, made under, made illegal under the empire. <laughs> yes. Stay frosty. Stay frosty. I don't, does I don't even know what that, that means. No, it's like a, <laughs> I heard that in, like, Call of Duty when Let's I was, like, Let's get back 11. to the show. <laughs> Steven, I brought a build. You wrote a build. Well, you were talking about... see what about... you fucked up this week. <laughs> I would love it if there was secretly, like, people were messaging just you to say, like, Sam's builds are really fucking awful. Some kind of, like, anti-fans. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Undermining my every move. Yeah. Oh, finally. Finally, arch enemies. <laughs> Enough about that. I brought a build. We were talking about it. doing this episode. You want to do a grenade explosives-themed episode. Yeah. So I was like, screw it. I'll make a build. Nice. Uh, I brought in Wraith Slorn, Sluicy ex separatist. Uh, the Sluicy are like a snake, kind of like a Naga kind of people. Yeah, they're cool looking. I like them. Yeah. Uh, his his whole his whole deal is after developing for the separatist army, Wraith became disillusioned with the separatist leader's ideas and methods of leadership. Now Slorn is attempting. I don't know why I mentioned both his first and last name in the same sentence. It's weird. <laughs> now he's attempting to take back his homeworld by using the droid army against the occupying forces. So this is a scout one, scoundrel one. Noble one, soldier four, improviser one, military engineer five. It's just one of those builds. Absolutely. Well, what's great about the Swissy is they get tech specialists as a bonus feat. Whoa. Which is insane, That's by the pretty, way. Right? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, if you're training mechanics, you get tech specialists as a bonus feat. Uh, field created weapon from military engineer uh, plus gearhead means a move action to create an ion carbine. Standard action from uh, personalized modifications from scoundrel. Uh, you get a plus three to attack, plus one to damage. Quick modifications and tech specialist and superior tech means superior damage for another plus five damage. And then the wording for superior tech says that it replaces the tech specialist traits with superior tech traits. Yeah, that sounded um, too good to be true. You remember yeah. when we first talked about it and I, I called you on it and we looked into it. And it does appear to be the case that if you have superior tech and quick modifications... You can just slot those right in. Absolutely. I believe it's quick modifications that says apply a tech specialist. Yeah, when you uh, make a field created weapon. Yeah. Yes. And then superior tech says explicitly anytime that they replace. Do, yeah, anytime uh, you do a tech specialist one, it. you could do superior tech instead. Uh, ultimately up to your GM. But yeah, totally. I mean, rules is written. It seems to work. Yeah. Uh, exceptional skills mechanics. I love the exceptional skills from superior skills talent tree. You know... I hadn't paid much attention to the superior skills talent tree. I think everyone, like, well, not everyone, but many folks made that same mistake. God, gosh, golly, Sam, tell them what exceptional skills does. Exceptional skills means any roll from two to seven is considered an eight. What? Uh, which is great. I, I actually took this from my pilot character for zero distance because hotshot pilot's got to be exceptional pilot. That's for sure. So any roll that isn't a net one is automatically a 29 plus for uh, Wraith's mechanic skill. Come on. That's insane. Uh, I also gave him the Droid Hunter and Droid Focus, uh, fourth degree, uh, uh, I believe they're feats. Yeah, shreds droids. Yeah, because so he built them. That's why. That's the whole deal. So he gets a plus apart. four ion damage from Droid Hunter, 
gets a plus one bonus to deception, mechanics, perception, persuasion, and use computer checks when used on or against a droid of the selected degree, and a plus one bonus to all defenses against attack rolls and skill checks made by droids of the selected degree. And you're like, why, why does he need that? That's weird. We'll yeah. talk about that later. Ambush specialist plus keep it going. So uh, those are both uh, scout talent tree things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can set a droid as a prime target. He gets plus two attack rolls against that target. And after disabling the first droid, he can change target to a second droid with the keep it going talent. Wow. And I'm like, why, why is he so focused on taking out these droids? Capture droid, which is, I believe, from one of the talent trees from uh, uh, military engineer or improviser, one of those. It's improviser. It's improviser. So it's an improviser talent. Uh, once per encounter, uh, twice with recurring success, which I've also given him. He can use the talent on adjacent enemy droid that's been reduced to zero hit points or moves to the bottom of the condition track but not destroyed. As a standard action, make a mechanics check against the droid's will defense. If your result equals or exceeds the droid's will defense, the droid moves plus two steps on the condition track, regains 1d8 hit points, and becomes your ally, and it's friendly towards you. The droid fights on your side until the end of the encounter, at which point it is destroyed. So let me make sure I got all this right. This guy builds an ion rifle out of mostly nothing. Boosts the shit out of its damage, tears through droids like Swiss cheese, revives them as allies, and then continues to kick ass. Yes. Incredible. And after I wrote all that, I was like, oh, this is a really great, as an ex-separatist kind of character. Like, the build happened first, and then the character's kind of idea came second. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've also given him droid expert and repairs on the fly. The standard action, you repair a droid once per day per droid, healing 1d8 HP plus 1 HP for each point above the DC 20 check. Wow, potent. Considering rolls 29. Minimum 29. That's pretty great. So, you know, standard action brings a droid up on the condition track, only gives it 8 hit points. Unless it's uh, deactivated, unless it's um, disabled from condition track, which is maybe half hit points or something around there. But it gives it more hit points as well. Per, and that's once per day per droid. And since he has recurring success for captured droid, he can do this twice on two droids. He, basically, the man brings, like, takes down your droids and brings them to his side and uses them against you. In a Clone Wars campaign, this would be insanely fun. Absolutely. Uh, for those keeping track, he gets a plus five bonus to attack rolls against his prime target droid and then deals plus ten bonus ion damage against that droid. 3d8 plus 16 damage with a self-built ion carbine. <laughs> Youch. The only caveat with this build, a lot of levels to get to where we've gotten. Yeah, this guy's what? Level 13. The CL 13 character. So if you're trying to do this as a build, eh, maybe it's good for a one shot or good for like a mid boss kind of character. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're playing like a separatist campaign. That's always fun. You got to play some super battle droids and stuff like that. Super cool. It took a lot of levels to get here, but I think it's a really cool concept that highlights some less popular prestige classes, military engineer. Uh, <laughs> and it's similar to what BD does in Fallen Order, which Hell I think yeah. is really cool. Sick. One thing I noticed while making this build, it's really weird that you can't jury-rig droids. I wonder why. Thi- oh, I mean, because it's overpowered, probably, oh, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but if you could jury-rig droids, this build would go a whole different direction. It would be insanely good. It'd be too good, probably, for a CL-13 character. That's pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, it's such a cool concept. I can imagine meeting this guy. Maybe he's uh, escaped to, like, a junk planet, and he's accumulated, like, a community of droids that, like, work and plot against separatists. But he doesn't—oh, maybe he doesn't know the war's over. 
he escaped his home world to uh, what's Raxus? Is Raxus Prime? Yeah, Raxus Prime is a junk, junk world. world yeah. yeah, he escapes his home world to Raxus Prime, and he builds an army trying to fight back and take the, uh, his planet back from the Separatists. But he doesn't know the Empire took over. Now, now you can fit him anywhere. Now he's era agnostic. I hope. What would you think about that build, Stephen? I liked it. I think it's really creative. I especially love seeing uh, combinations of, like you said, lesser thought of prestige classes like improviser and uh, military engineer. Very cool. And just doing this at the table, I got, I'm a little jealous that I can't do it right now because it, it seems so fun. <laughs> well, so it'd be good for like a one shot. It know? would be. It'd be perfect. All right, Steven, I've got a surprise for you. Oh, what is it? I know you're sick. You're scared. You're shaking your boots. I'm, I'm shaking in me boots. It's a, it's a little game. I like to call name this NPC or I fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like literally killing. <laughs> All right, Steven, I've pulled up a stat block. I'm going to read to you parts from the stat block. If it's not fun, we'll cut it. But I'm going to read to you parts from the stat block. And you have to, if you can name the character before I finish the stat block, then you live. Okay. And, and if I and if I don't do it, I die. Then we cut this segment from the show. And so there's no record of you having to die. And cut my life short. And cut your life short. All right, let's hear it. All right. Medium, human, noble, nine. Uh, let's. I'll, I'll. I'll make this more. Uh, I'll tell you the campaign guide also. Okay. Cool. That, that's good. Force unleashed campaign guide. Okay. You, you can buzz in at any time. Okay. To, <laughs> if, okay. If, if you think you know. Uh, we got languages: basic, high galactic, mon calamarian, and Celestes. We are looking at. Uh, uh, as for talents, born leader. Bailergana. Holy shit, Stephen! You got it in one. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you said Noble Nine, and I'm like, okay, there's a few characters like that in Star Wars. You said Force Unleashed Campaign Guide, and I was like, <laughs> it's probably Bail Organa. And I've, I'm familiar with Bail's stat block, because I've used it, and I'm, I'm like, so what's the first glad. talent? Born Leader, bam. Wow! Holy shit! Well, next week I gotta come at you with a harder one, then. Definitely, definitely. Or you can come at me with one. I don't Ooh. think I, I, I'm not as... Fluent in well, read up, baby. Stat- <laughs> yeah, study up on the heroic stat blocks from the wiki. Wow, holy shit, you got it in one. What? I didn't have to cut it or anything. This was like uh, this was like a thirty second segment. I thought it was gonna be like five minutes, maybe. Holy shit! Wow. Nice, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Dark Times podcast. This show is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? I feel like you take on the whole empire by myself. <laughs> Is that Biggs? That's Dak. Dak. Uh, it's the, the only spoken line before he gets fried. <laughs> I love Dak for that reason. My favorite Is Star that, Wars character. That's empire Strikes Back, right? Yes, indeed. That's the guy who hops in the uh, <laughs> snowspeeder with Luke. Speeder. Yeah. He fucking dies. Just dies. He's like, I'm doing great. I can't wait to kill those imps. And then... <laughs> Good night, everybody! Very trilling, I like that. Then I'll see you in hell! (laughs) What was the question? What are we doing for pizza?